and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week, and I guide you gently through another show. Another busy week. Frank Washcook, my co-host, is here. How are you, Frank? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Always a pleasure, and uh, we'll get into some topical news stuff with Frank after we've interviewed Ellen Ryan Mardix, who's chairman of Golin and this year's chair of the PR Council and great friend of PR Week over the years. So, Ellen, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Steve. It's a delight to be here with you and Frank. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always a delight to chat to you, Ellen, and can't believe you're coming up 40 years at Golin. So uh, we were just speculating on how they'll give you the keys to the city of Chicago, maybe have a a special (laughs) fun run in your memory led by Fred Cook or something like that, but it should be fun. Next January, isn't it? Not my memory yet, sir, right? (laughs) 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 Well, listen, you you are in fact dating me, but uh, but I consider it quite an honor. So yes, I'm Yes, 40 years. It's a long time. I was amazed. I thought you you looked like yeah. you'd been there just 20. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll chat to Ellen. Thank Looking you. forward to that. You've redeemed yourself. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> snatched to victory from the jaws of defeat. Not for the first time, it has to be said in my life. Um, we'll chat to Ellen, then we'll talk about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. That's coming up one year anniversary, difficult to believe. And we'll talk about sad news about um, David Wells, um, Prozac Partners alum, who's died far too young. We'll talk about David's legacy. Edelman Global Advisory has made an acquisition. And then some uh, interesting stuff going on at Papa John's and Chipotle. Communication around the world as the end of the COVID public health emergency looms. And then we'll set up, we'll talk about UFOs. An agency setting up a UFO practice. So robots, talking about robots, you know, we're all going to be robots because Frank's been saying this for many years that journalists will be robots soon and now PR pros will be. So we'll just leave the robots to get on with it, maybe. Uh, But anyway, a bit of fun story to end it with. But let's start with you, Alan. You started your career in 1984 at Golin as an account executive and you've held various roles over the years in terms of, of... uh, worldwide Director of Marketing, Vice Chair and now Chair. You are um, a, a, an honoree of the Hall of Fame, the PR Week Hall of Fame in 2020. Global Agency PR Pro of the year, year in 2021. So it's great to have you with us. How much has the industry changed in that time? Listen, um, I'm so delighted to be here. And boy, what a question that is. How have things changed in that time? Um it, it the the business today is completely different and yet completely the same as it was when I started at Golan in 1984. Um, the techniques are different, of course. We would always talk about how uh, even then uh, might have been at the tail end of Al Golan running across the uh, you know the Michigan Michigan Avenue bridge to deliver a press release to the <laughs> Chicago Tribune. Um, yeah, maybe the tail end of that. That's a but great image. Um, That's a great image. And, and he did it. And he did yeah, it, as, yeah. as I'm yeah, sure you yeah. believe. Uh, so, yes, the techniques were, were different. We didn't have many of the tools that we have today. Um, in fact, I know at the tail end of this conversation, we'll be talking about one of those potential tools, which, of course, is... ChatGPT and and other forms of AI and sort of a mixed bag, I I think we might agree at this point. 
But the tools change, the mission stays the same. What we need to do is to persuade our audiences and stakeholders to a point of view, um, to believe in our brands, to follow our leaders, to uh, buy in to the messages that we have to, to provide to them. And that mission remains the same in our industry. Uh, just kind of how we get the word out that's changed. Yeah, it has changed a lot. And is it much more of a 24-7-365 industry? I remember people saying, you know, I remember talking to Jay Carney about the history of the White House press secretary and some of his predecessors would, you know, watch the evening news and then have a cocktail and go home to dinner, whereas he would be, like, watching the evening news, maybe grab a quick bite with his family and then back, back at it because... We were in such a constant news and social media environment now. That that really has the, the speed of which information flows around the world is, is sped up incredibly, hasn't it? There, There's no question that it has, and that is um, probably not a good thing. I know that you've covered uh, a lot, Steve, the... What, what the 24-hour news cycle means um, to not just to our business, but to the effective dissemination of important information to people. People rushing to a story in a newsroom can mean that that story is wrong. Um, but that's what they're doing uh, with this, the 24-7 news cycle. So we have to be part of that now and um, hopefully putting some disciplines on it, not allowing ourselves to make some of the same mistakes that that the media industry makes um, in that rush to uh, to publish, um, I guess I would say. Uh, but so that that I think is a, is a real factor in terms of how we, how we, we exercise our profession. It has become more 24 seven. Um, that's just a reality. So I think it's just up to us in the business to put the right kind of guardrails around that so that we stay fresh and we're giving our clients great counsel and our clients feel confident that, that they're doing the right things at the right speed. Yeah, I think you're right. I think even some of the biggest and most supposedly most respected names in media are now, you know, forgetting to do, do some of that due diligence because of that need for speed. So, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. You mentioned Al Golin. I was lucky enough to meet mm. him several times. Fantastic man. Lovely guy and a real yeah. pioneer in the industry. Tell us a little bit about working with Al, because uh, Golin's been around 67 years, I think, and you've been there nearly 40 of them. So you've seen yeah. a lot of the, the, you know, the evolution of the agency. What was it like working with Al? And maybe give us a couple of anecdotes about him. Yeah, it was amazing, Steve. In fact, he was my office neighbor um, <laughs> ever since we moved into the Hancock building, which is Oh gosh, is it eight or ten years ago now? I don't, I don't really recall. Time does fly, um, but he was my neighbor, and so I got to see him all the time, and we would talk about so many things. Um, I learned a tremendous amount from him, as you just just said. Al was not only a tremendous practitioner of our trade um, uh, and an innovator; he was a great guy, and and the fact that he was just so human and the way he approached the business, I think is how he made such a difference to the business, to our clients and internally. Very, very soft-spoken, sort of low-key guy. But, oh, he had opinions and he um, absolutely believed that 
we, in the sort of rush to the story, uh, needed to pull back and get the story right. He believed in high touch over high tech, and he would just uh, be sure everybody understood that point of view. Never understood why anyone would send an email to someone sitting two desks away. Now, of course, they would send a text, but you get the point. (laughs) Um, And was such a proponent of living a full life so that your curiosity would feed your imagination and fuel you, which made you a far better counselor and far better able to come up with great ideas that would benefit clients. Um, so I, it was a gift to work with him. There's no question about it. And uh, we miss him. Yeah. Now you have, I think you have Al Day each year, don't you? When you think yes, back about, about Al, a couple of stories you can share with us that really sort of remind you of him, you know, or make you laugh or, or just summed him up, you know, in terms of um, his impact on, on Golin and, and the industry in general. Al uh, was a really self-effacing sort. He loved to laugh at himself when the, when the opportunity presented itself, and that gave everybody else permission to do the same. They didn't have to sort of posture around Al. And he would tell a story about being at a really intense uh, new business pitch where uh, he arrived in a boardroom. You can imagine what the boardroom might have looked like at that time. You might imagine who was sitting around the boardroom at that time. Very, very staid, conservative group of people who weren't for niceties and, you know, that it was just going to be all down to business. And he walked in with his pitch team, sat down in sort of a chair like this I might be sitting in, one of those sort of old-fashioned conference room chairs, and immediately the chair flipped over (laughs) and he tumbled out of the chair and no one said a word. (laughs) So he just had to stand up, get back in the chair and carry on. And he would tell the story all the time. And it was I never got tired of it because it was just his ability to laugh at himself. And the situation was uh, was, I think, just a tremendous gift to the rest of us. Um, Did he win the the pitch, Shelley? Uh, as a matter of fact, we did not win that pitch. <laughs> but there were, but we don't blame Al and the no. and the somersaulting chair. No. Um, on the other side of the coin, Steve, the the lessons from Al um, and the wisdom from Al about the relationship with McDonald's uh, fuels me still to this day, and not just me, but all of us here who recognize that. The famous cold call from Al to Ray Kroc is not our McDonald's story. That was the beginning of the McDonald's story, and indeed a famous one. And, um, and it was and, in the film, wasn't it? Obviously, we're awfully, we're was, awfully glad that, we, that he made that call. Um, but it's what has happened to the public relations business and to the agency as a result of how tight Al was with not just Ray, but all the CEOs who succeeded him and how central public relations has been in that company since those very early days. And I attribute that to Al and, of course, then the team that he built. But it being so central um, and so essential to how McDonald's operated then and still today is is just that's just the standard by which we do our business here at Golan. Um, and that's where it started. 
Yeah, he's so a real, that's that's Al's legacy to us. Yeah, he's a real pioneer, and uh, I was really pleased that I was able to meet him and uh, interact with him. Now, moving forward and moving that story forward, you've got your role yeah. as chair of the PR council. Now, apart from an ability Ooh. to herd cats, what uh, what are the what are the big challenges or big things on your to do list with that role? And tell us about it. And how, is that for the calendar year of twenty twenty three, or is does it go on for longer than that? It's the calendar year of 2023, at least. We'll see if they let me stay on a little longer um, because I'm excited about it. And I think there's there's so much to to be done this year. So it's a great time to um, to lead the, the, the board of the PRC. As we uh, mentioned, I think before we pressed record, it's the 25th anniversary year of the PRC. As well um, as PR Week US, we yeah. Had- that's yeah. right, uh, Anne Legrant, and it's 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 just an interesting, uh, it's just uh, interesting that all three, uh, and probably more, of these sort of fundamental organizations are celebrating their twenty fifth. And what it says to me, to be honest with you, is how young our industry is. Um, there's so much more to do. There is so much momentum that that we have as a PR industry especially over the last few years, which again, of course, you all have reported on so extensively. So we're in this moment in time, and as all good PR people would do, um, we're going to celebrate our anniversary, not to look back, but to pivot forward. And that's what it's going to be all about. So um, that's what we'll do. And we've got um, an event that we're uh, looking forward to hosting in May that is you know about our critical issues forums, I'm sure. Um, this is going to be the critical issues of the next 25 forums. Right. So we're going to look ahead. And I think it's going to be a really great event. Um, but the, the PRC, uh, of course, is the only trade body that is focused solely on the PR agency business. So so it, it has a very distinct purpose. And our purpose is, in fact, to help agencies and particularly agency leaders work smarter to build better agencies making a bigger impact on clients. That's what we're here to do. So we have a few areas of focus this year that I'm very excited to move forward. Uh, In addition to this comprehensive event that we're planning, we've also launched a new work stream that is going to consider and recommend specific updates on ethics and standards in the industry, something that I think we all agree needs to be done. And this can include everything from generative AI that we were just talking about, neuromarketing, of course, DEI and B issues as as it relates to employee engagement. So those are a few of the things that we're doing. And I think it's important to say when we're talking about ethics and standards, it's not only about the agencies, but also about the clients that we work with. There have been some Important issues raised about clients and the unreasonable um, requirements that they place on some agencies as it relates to the contract terms and things of that nature. I think we're going to be looking at all of those things as a as a body in a, a work stream that we will be able to make some big differences on for our agency members. Um, we are also looking. Um, as everybody is, at uh, improving measurement and analytics. I think our analytics work as an industry 
is growing by leaps and bounds. And it's a very, very exciting part of what we're all doing. So that's something that we're going to have a special work stream on. And the other uh, that won't surprise you at all is talent, all aspects related to talent, not just the DEI issues that I just mentioned, but attracting and retaining talent from other disciplines and industries to come join the PR business and thrive here. So we have a specific initiative that's about people pivoting to this industry. We're just getting it started. We did a little bit of a trial last year, but I find that very exciting because our industry is going to continue to grow and diversify in all ways. And for that, we need different kinds of people, different kinds of brains, different kinds of backgrounds to come in and make us better. Yeah. So those are a few things that are on uh, my mind with the PRC this year. Sounds good. Totally agree, especially on that last one. I think we have to do a better job of PRing the PR industry and getting people Indeed, to pivot yeah. into it and realize what a great profession it is and what how many opportunities there are. But also with young people, we'll get them aware of what PR is and get them into it and work with, you know, try and get the mainstream media to see the modern PR profession as it is and not just as an annoying sort of media relations spam email um, function, which is the way they portray it or, or a dark arts spin uh, environment. Absolutely. So yeah, totally with you Absolutely. on that. Look forward to look look forward to working across that common agenda because it's really important. It is an, it is indeed a common agenda and we look forward to your partnership as well. Sounds good. All right. We'll get into some of the other stuff when when we talk about yeah. these stories, but great to chat, Ellen. Frank, let's talk about Russia, Ukraine. It, it's difficult to believe, but it's it's almost a year as we're recording this, a couple of days away since the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And, you know, a lot of people, including the Russians, I think, thought that war was going to be a very short one and that they were going to be in Kiev in short term time. They weren't. And uh, the war continues. And President Biden has been on a visit to Ukraine and Eastern Europe this week. Talk us through that and some of the issues and and the communications around it as well. He has been. um, He is currently, and this is as of Wednesday afternoon, still in Eastern Europe, uh, meeting with NATO allies uh, on the very eastern frontier of the alliance. Uh, So most noteworthy, Uh, He was in Kiev the other day. It's the first time a sitting U.S. president has been um, in a war zone outside of the aegis of um, out of um, the U.S. military command. So, uh, you know, it's a historic trip in and of itself because of that. By its nature, too, I I think that his speech there was good and uh, commemorating the the one year anniversary of of Russia's invasion. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, I think. You have to say that um, Zelensky has been really the, the communication standout uh, of the war for the past year, uh, the way he has been. He's been doing nightly addresses to the country for the past year, and um, he has really rallied what uh, a country that a lot of people did not feel uh, was going to be up to the task of standing up to the Russians, and, and clearly they have proved those people wrong. Um, some other stories that have come out of this um, – it is always it's always fascinating to read about how uh, the White House Communications Department sort of shepherds the president into a, a dangerous area while bringing along members of the press. You know, in this case, disguising it as a, a golf tournament, uh, limiting the press pool to just a few people, and um, 
having a very early morning departure and a very secretive departure, not on the typical uh, Air Force One. So that's really interesting. And one of the more lighthearted things to come out of the trip, and there always are some of these, uh, is the guy known as uh, the Ukraine train guy. Uh, And a lot of people have been fascinated by the deluxe uh, and very secure train car that Biden had spent, uh, I think, almost 20 hours on coming in and out of Ukraine. And um, the the guy who was in charge of, of one of Ukraine's largest railways was talking about how he kept the railway running on schedule and still hit 90% effectiveness in terms of keeping trains on time during that time. And, and he's, uh, he was doing interviews with CNN this morning and some other places and um, getting some publicity out of it. So that's been one interesting sidebar to this, uh, to this trip. Maybe we should get him in over to the U.S. when, he's, when this is yeah. over and get, get him to sort out the U.S. rail system. But, yeah, it's some, lots of interesting – it's well worth reading the articles about the press uh, representatives, actually, and, how, and the journey and, and how they – found out about it and the secrecy and all that stuff but it, it also from a image point of view it's been quite good for biden hasn't it because he's done these very tough rail trips you know he's supposed to be a doddery old man who can barely put one foot in front of the other he's been posing with Zelensky. he's got the, the aviator shades on he's come over and his messaging has been strong that we are going to continue to support the west is going to continue to support uh, the u.s especially is going to continue to support ukraine against uh, you know a fairly significant um group that think we shouldn't be doing that anymore we should be spending money at home so he he seems to have come out of it reasonably well from a image point of view i i would agree with that and i i think one thing that's become obvious is that well there were obviously a lot of very important audiences in the u.s for this trip um some of the most important audiences to to see these images were clearly in russia uh, and, and whether that's the Russian public or, or the Kremlin, where you, you contrast that with, um, you know, Vladimir Putin, who barely leaves his compound, the weird long tables and the, you know, all that. So um, and I looks very fragile, or very fragile and, and ill himself in uh, a lot of footage, doesn't he? I don't want to get pushed out of a window, but I would I would agree with you. Um, so I uh, look, I, I think a lot of that that audience is obviously there as well, you know, not just here. Um, and I think that's, um, that, that has to be said as well, that there's a foreign audience that is very important for the white house to get these images across to. And the people of Ukraine who are suffering this horrific war and have to live with it day after day. Um, Ellen, you've got clients obviously in the region. I think famously McDonald's made a decision on their Russian business. Um, What's your sort of perspective on this year of of war basically in Europe? Um, You know, I think the uh, a year ago, no one would have imagined that we would be having this conversation a year later. But then again, how could we not? Because this is how these things go. Um, When uh, there is a mighty force that is being battled against every single day um, with great sophistication, I'm sure, but also just sheer will. Uh, That's what seems to be going on. Uh, It's it's horrific, obviously. one aspect that I think is important to to mention that that's perhaps close to home for all of us is the propaganda machine and the the exploration of the role of propaganda in this war. Um, how do you battle against it? How do you try to uh, defeat it? 
Well, one way might be for the president to be on the ground um, in Ukraine, having the conversations that he had. And as you say, um, those messages get broadcast everywhere. Uh, so it it's um, it was a timely way to to, to acknowledge where we are in this terrible war and also um, our interest in making sure that there is support for this besieged country. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that the the Ukrainians have been especially effective on social media over the past year where you, you know, whether you, I I mean, some of these, you know, I'm I'm too old to be the target audience for these things, but some of these, you know, memes with the, with the dogs and the, you know, the, uh, and all of that, I, I can't even keep up with it, but it, it is very effective, obviously in reaching a certain audience. More to come on that. And and fundraising as well. Yeah. I I have to say the last time I was in Chicago, um, I think it was three years ago. Um, I went to a Ukrainian bar and uh, went in the bathroom and let's just say the toilet paper there had an image of uh, a president of uh, uh, oh. <laughs> of Russia, um, which I found quite well, ironic. Um, even this is three years ago. Yes, yeah, so um, oh, it was fairly clear the relations between the two countries even at that point. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, a fun trip. Okay. And, uh, some, some, some great I hadn't heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I, I'll tell you the name of the bar if you like, Alan. Um, okay. All right. Well, look, listen, the main thing I hope for is that we get an end to this uh, conflict. And uh, I think that has to come from within the Russian people to to uh, as, as well, you know. And so hopefully they do see some of these images because obviously the, yeah, the media exactly. is very controlled there. Um, Frank, sad, sad news. Another um, PR pro has died, and um, it's uh, David Wells, who was um, an alum of Prozac Partners and died much too early. Yeah, he was 50 years old. Um, David Wells was a partner of Prozac Partners from June 19 until last month uh, when he joined BlackRock, which is an investment management firm. Uh, he joined up as a managing director there. Um, and, uh, the principal of Prozac partners, Jennifer Prozac talked to PR week about, um, you know, just not just his professional accomplishments, but, but what a mentor he was to people who work there and a hard worker and, uh, seemed to be an extraordinarily well-respected guy. Uh, also spent nearly a decade at Goldman Sachs. Most recently is their chief marketing and communications officer for the consumer and investment management division. So, uh, some sad news to report there. Yeah. Thoughts with, uh, David's family and, and his PR family at Prozac and elsewhere. So very sad news. And interesting developments in DC with Edelman. They made a, an acquisition there last year and uh, Edelman Global Advisory. Now they've made another acquisition. Frank, talk us through that one. Yeah, Edelman Global Advisory uh, has bought the Brazilian government relations firm Distrito. Um, and their co-founders are going to stay on and serve uh, as the chair of Latin America and Brazil for Edelman Global Advisors. It, it's interesting in that Edelman Global Advisory, I mean, you know, Edelman is such a big agency, obviously, but but uh, EGA almost, you know, serves as, as a firm within a firm. Um, you know, likes to bill itself as a boutique uh, business and government advisory services, but um, obviously not too boutique if they are expanding into Latin America this much. Um, I always find these stories interesting because of the line between between public affairs and government relations. And, um, you know, it is different region by region and country by country. So uh, interesting deal there, an interesting acquisition. Yeah, for, for years, Edelman hadn't done that many U.S. acquisitions. So they've done a couple, 
couple in DC recently. So they obviously see some uh, mileage there and, and growth potential. And on what's uh, we're, we're reporting on lots of deals, loads of agency deals. What's the goal in sort of perspective on it in terms of growing well, versus, you know, through, through acquisition versus organic? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just remark on the, the trend first. Um, we're seeing lots of agencies, as I'm thinking about my PRC role, buying these types of advisory firms, um, advisory services, I guess, is the, is the right way to, to term it. Mm. And it's exciting to see because, again, it's just reinforcing the role that our agencies are playing in uh, very top level issues faced by um, by our client companies. So it's it's good to see. And again, it sort of speaks to that that diversity that I was talking about a minute ago about talent. Right. So sometimes you you get that diversity of talent and background and thinking um, in-house by by attracting more and different kinds of people to your to your agency itself. And sometimes you get it by acquiring um other experts who who can round out your offering. So I think it's a it's a very good trend. Uh, Golan is um, certainly uh, uh, open to acquisition. We have made some very good ones in the past that have been very successful for us. I wouldn't say it's our top priority um, or strategy for for growth. Um, we're doing a lot of building things from the inside, and I expect that will continue. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Frank, some developments in the quick service restaurant industry at Papa John's, People's Story, and at Chipotle with an interesting concept restaurant launch. Papa John's has promoted Madeline Chadwick to their uh, chief corporate affairs officer. Uh, She's continuing to oversee a lot of the things that she did before, whether that's employee or franchisee communications, corporate comms and brand PR, CSR, uh, and ESG. She's reporting up to the CEO, Rob Lynch. Uh, She joined Papa John's in 2018 as VP of communications. Um, But Chipotle, interesting story here. Launching Farmessa, which is uh, the first concept restaurant under CEO Brian Nickel. It's going to open in uh, Santa Monica, California, with a real California flavor to it. Sort of all you know, fresh seafood, um, um, Mexican, Mexican American, a mix of of that kind of food. Um, and it is a fan of that kind of food. It sounds really exciting. Um, but I, I see this as something of a success story for Chipotle, which um, you know was plagued for a couple of years by by food safety issues, by um, uh, by by questions about you know how many stores it was going to have to shut down for various issues and this and that. And this this is a if they're getting back to concept stores like this, I see this as a bit of a, a small victory for them. Yeah, Ellen, the quick service industries incredibly interesting. Always has been very creative. All sorts of fun stuff. Loads of social activations. We saw Taco Bell doing weddings at there. And you've obviously been working with McDonald's at, at Golan over the years. It's it's a very rich area for communications and marketing, isn't it? Yes, indeed. It's a great space. You're absolutely right. And I love to see the innovation that's going on. Um, Chipotle is a, a, a great company and a great brand. Um, and uh, McDonald's had an interest in it at, at one time in the past. You, you um, may recall uh, so, gosh, yes, we love to see the innovation. Um, I think it's a really um, cool idea. Um, uh, their concept restaurant, I love it. And uh, yeah, McDonald's is um, 
uh, leading the pack. It is, in fact, the leader of the of the sector, as you well know. It will continue to do so, um, doing uh, creative things in its own right and attracting new customers and new brand fans, very loyal fans. And uh, we're in the thick of it. So, yeah, a great opportunity yeah, Frank, every day. Frank, we when we cover these stories, you, you often get some of the brands bantering with each other or interacting mm-hmm. with each other. And it often feels to me like McDonald's is almost like the grown-up big brother, big sister. And some of the other brands, the, the challenger brands, are almost trying to get the attention of their, you know, their elder sibling. And McDonald's sometimes is a little standoffish, but sometimes it does engage. But it's interesting to see how all the brands handle that on social. And- it is, yeah. And it, Wendy's obviously has their own personality as well, and so do a lot of the others. Um, Steakum has gotten very uh, political over the past few years, which has been interesting and, and you know, amusing. Um, but they all do have their own personalities, yeah. Yeah, and I guess as a brand leader, you, as the sector leader, you you adopt a different strategy to a, an up-and-comer challenger, etc. So, yeah, it's a rich space and we cover it a lot. Let's talk about, we haven't talked about COVID as much and I'm very happy that we haven't, you know, having had that for the last three years, Frank, but it's still an issue. Although we are coming to the end of the sort of public health emergency, the formal public health emergency period of COVID. So what we did a piece about what are the implications there for communications around that? There's a lot to talk about here because uh, the bottom line for agencies and the companies that they work with is that it's really better to over-communicate things than under-communicate things uh, in this space. And that can be about whether you're trying to retain employees uh, or how you're talking to them about um, office etiquette, uh, things of that nature. Because, you know, long COVID is a real thing and there are a lot of people suffering from it. Uh, and so that, that continues to be an issue. But also um, there are real world implications for the end of this COVID emergency. For instance, uh, you know, the government is not going to pay for uh, vaccines, the, the volume that yeah. they, they used to. Uh, so when people get boosters going forward, they're going to want to know how much they cost and how much their insurance is going to cover and whether the, you know, whether it's covered by your workplace insurance and things like that. Um, so there's, there's a lot to talk about as the world moves to this new phase of the pandemic. Absolutely. Ellen, at PR council level is, is COVID, I guess, it, for, for a couple of years, it was the top agenda item, if not the only agenda item. Where is it? Where do you think it sits now in turn? How are agencies feeling about it? Yeah, I, there's some variance around the country, Steve, as you would expect, just given um, where the flare ups happen. Um, but in general, yes, I would say we're talking about it quite a bit less. Um, and that really started last year. The, the sort of offshoots of COVID, the, uh, the, the results of it in terms of, of return to office and things like that have very much still been topics of conversation. But the public health emergency, not as much as people just got used to managing it, um, dealing with it on their own and, um, with some pretty solid policies put in place in agencies over these last couple of years. So I think people are really ready to move on from this phase. And let's not forget that, of course, many of our, our member agencies um, were doing quite a lot of work as it related to um, vaccine awareness campaigns and other other aspects of of sort of contributing to the conversation and to to solutions that are that were focused on on protecting people's health. So that that business will wane, of course, but 
We have much more to do in terms of health and health awareness campaigns, including those in the public health arena. Um, so as, as important messengers uh, in, these, uh, in these situations, I think um, our agencies can feel proud of being, uh, being part of that and being part of helping people protect their health uh, in these, uh, along in the times of these threats. I think they definitely stepped up and did a fantastic job, both the agencies and in-house. It was a real golden period yes. for PR people who, who stepped up and showed their value, didn't they? Just just quickly, Ellen, everyone's talking about hybrid work and, you know, are we going back to the office? What Do you get any sense in the PR council? It, it seems to me, you know, agency people aren't desperate to go back in a lot of cases, even though it's such a people business and it's so, you know, yeah. you learn by interacting with other people. Yeah, it's, uh, you're right. I think how you've termed it is exactly right, Steve. It, it, um, this is a flummoxing issue for PR agencies. There's no question about it. We talk about it every meeting. Um, we are a little surprised, I think, collectively that, this is a little harder to, to nail than we thought. There seems to be quite a lot of enthusiasm for a hybrid model. Um, some agencies want to be more prescriptive about what exactly that model is in terms of saying these are the number of days you should be in the office and so forth, and others still wanting to be a little um, more flexible um, uh, and, and acknowledging of Another trend that happened in COVID, which is the um, just sort of the great move around people uh, moving out of the cities and to the country and, and all that. So it is a puzzle, no question about it. I think that we're going to see a lot more in office time uh, as 2023 continues. Um, but I won't say that as an industry, we've got it completely figured out just yet. No, it's definitely still figuring it out for sure. So we'll see how that uh, pans out. And just quickly, Frank, a final story about uh, an agency setting up a UFO practice or something like this. What's going on? This is terrific. Um, and and dare I say, I, I really wish more agencies, you know, put forward their sense of humor <laughs> like this. We all we all know they have them. They just they just don't go public with them this often. So uh, this is Strange Brew. Uh, and they are, uh, if you're not familiar with them, they uh, do have a lot of green tech clients, a lot of next generation technology clients. And I really enjoyed how in this press release talking about how they were expanding their services to include communications designed for extraterrestrial beings, UFOs, and not of this world technology. Uh, they really did poke fun at uh, some buzzwords out there, talking about how they're uniquely qualified to help ex extraterrestrials announce themselves to the world, right-size mis misconceptions, and demonstrate the magic of their alien technology. Uh, I would point out that the founder of, uh, of Strange Brew, um, now known as SBS, uh, John O'Brien, did put his contact info on the press release about this. So if he has heard from anybody from another dimension or universe <laughs> or galaxy, we would like to tell that story. If yeah, like we could do us. a profile. So, so send, maybe, it, send it our way, John. Maybe from one of those balloons. I think you'll need the exclusive on that, I Frank. Would, I would Absolutely. hope for it. I think it. you should. And, um, you know, Is Golden uh, following given, suit, Ellen? Well, listen, uh, here's what I'm going to say. I think that uh, I don't know that Strange Brew is a member of the PR Council just yet, but I think we're going to pursue them because I think we need 
we could use a little yeah. strange brew. Um, Always uh, thinking about yeah, new members. Uh, that's good it. to see. Always on message for the new membership. That's the <laughs> chair of the PR Council, Ellen Ryan Mardix. Great to chat to you, Ellen. Good luck with your uh, tenure in that role and continued uh, good good luck at Golin. It's great to chat to you, get some of those memories. So uh, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Steve and Frank. Great to be with you. Really was. All right. Well, we will see Ellen actually at the PR Week US Awards, which are very shortly coming up, 16th of March, the Oscars of the PR industry in New York at uh, Cipriani Wall Street. Looking forward to seeing you all there. It's going to be a great night. Don't forget our Crisis Comms Conference. That's a launch event in D.C. on the 12th of April. Our Healthcare Conference and Awards in New York City on the 24th of May. Global Awards are in London on the 9th of May. And then we have our Brand Entertainment Awards in New York on the 6th of June. And don't forget to get your agency business report submissions in if you're not already working on that. Hope lots of Ellen's members are working on that. And make sure they get on our agency rankings and uh, contribute to our big May-June issue and chunk of content. But that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week.